Hi, this is Dave Senna with BoldLeading.com, and we're continuing a series on the 10 ways to be a bold organization. Now, we'll go through all of those um, particular principles we talked in our introductory podcast, but we have links below for you to connect with that uh, original podcast and introduction. I encourage you to do that to get kind of an overview of the next uh, 10 different topics that we'll be talking about with how to, or the 10 best ways to be a bold organization. The one that we're going to be talking about today is how to have a clear and urgent story or a clear and compelling story, a way for you to talk about your organization. Now, you don't need to be scared about this. A lot of people are scared about how to talk about their organization. They feel that they're not going to be able to say enough or they might say too much or they might mess something up as they're communicating with other people. And you don't need to be scared about this if you can uh, take some time to talk with your staff or your board and get a group of people together to do a little bit of work to really fine-tune this story. We're going to give you some some tips and a framework for you to be able to think about how to communicate what you're about and the things that you're trying to do. As you're doing this, you'll find that you'll get a better understanding of where you're going strategically and possibly even what are the things that you should stop doing because they don't make sense. But one of the things I do want you to stop doing is trying to convince everybody that you're the best organization and here's the 55,000 reasons why. And all that you're trying to do there is to kind of prove to them that you're worth their money. And it simply does not work. One of the ways that I kind of figured this out early on in my career as a nonprofit executive director is I was talking at a service club and I had forgotten my notes. Previous to this, I had been talking about a couple of years to different service clubs. And I actually forgot my notes and I had what everybody tells you to have, which is to have a seven point ta- or seven talking points and each of those with supporting statements. And I would just exhaustively tell people, here's what our organization does. And I would never get any questions after it because I've been lecturing about how great our organization was. But I forgot my notes. And you would think after doing that that I would remember everything and it turns out I didn't. And one of the things that I learned about that is that I need to really focus on why is the nonprofit or the organization that I'm supporting, why is it important to me? What, how do I make it personal? So I didn't have anything else to do because I didn't have my notes. So I just talked off the cuff from the heart about why I love the organization I was working for and I, and I was leading at that time. And granted, I was a young uh, nonprofit leader and didn't quite know everything, but I knew why I love the organization. I worked at a homeless shelter and I just told them about the people that we were trying to help and gave them a few stories. But I spoke from the heart and I spoke with passion. I didn't tell them everything. I told them a few of the key things that we did. And it was amazing to me after that meeting or after my little talk, which I ended up not talking as long because I didn't have enough to say, that people started to engage and ask questions. They started to say, well, what about this? Because I didn't give them everything. And now we were having a dialogue. People were more enthusiastic because they got the opportunity, the permission to kind of tell the story for me by asking questions and getting clarification. And it was really an amazing thing for me to watch because we got more board members, more volunteers, more people engaged with the organization by selling, by saying less and selling less actually, but saying less and giving them enough to where they could ask questions. And later I found out that, you know, when somebody asks questions, you know, engages a different part of your brain and is more compelling, you, you remember more and people are like to be able to be part of the dialogue. They don't want to be lectured to. So when we talk about storytelling, you do want to tell less uh, and that helps it by just being 
uh, less cluttered and less confusing. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and um, give you some of the some tips that I've kind of learned over the years on how to craft the story and some ways that you might be thinking about it. And there's a lots of different ways that you can approach this and some great resources out there. Uh, Storybrand.com is a great resource. Uh, Donald Miller has a great podcast. I encourage you to check that out. My mentor used to tell me that there's basically three things that you need to tell somebody. You need to tell them why you started. What value do you provide to the community today? And then what what you want to provide to the community in the future? To put it differently, uh, what was the passion or the purpose uh, for starting the original organization? And then what would be lost today if you close your doors? And that'd be giving the value of today. And then if somebody gave you a five or $10 million check, what would you do in the future? What would that thing be that you dream of being able to do? When I was at the homeless shelter, we uh, started talking about our organization, trying to make it clear, and we would talk about a hundred different things that we did. And then I started just kind of watching other people and how they communicated about it. And they usually had one really big statement and then three sort of main categories or bullets and then a, a straight up ask on how they can get involved. And if, in that particular organization, we were trying to provide hope to the homeless. And we did that in three different ways. And that was to uh, rescue them from the streets or it could be from addiction, but to, to provide a rescue uh, when they're in trouble and then to help them to rebuild their lives and then to reconnect. And so there was a really easy way for us to talk about a progression of them coming off the streets, being with us, and then hopefully reconnect them into community. So there's a, a progression on how you do that. The current nonprofit I work with, work with now is the United Way uh, in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, and we help people have opportunities to thrive. We help them live, work, and learn. And then we have some information about that, but we're able to compact a lot of information into that. And that's one of the things that I think uh, as you're communicating with people, you should have some signposts and aisles. So if you went to Walmart and you imagine you've never been to Walmart before and there was no aisles and no signs and you were looking for a toothpick, it'd be almost impossible for anybody to tell you how to get to that toothpick. Imagine it. Uh, today, if you went and asked for a toothpick, somebody would tell you, okay, um, go over to aisle number 10 and then look, go down halfway down the aisle. It's going to be on your left in the second row. People that work there long enough know where things are. Like, and they can tell you by the aisle and which shelf it is on generally. Or they can say, oh, it's an aisle. Let me show you and go with you. So you, they have to have some sort of markers or ways to have a shortcut to get to where you want to go. And it's the same way with your stories. You want to have some shortcuts and shortcuts in people's mind to how to remember. They're going to try to create this on their own. Just even like a letter that you write to them, they're going to try and scan that message uh, or that letter to find out what are the high points. So you might as well make it scannable or readable for them and highlight in certain segments key points. And you want to do that verbally when you're talking to people. So a lot of times when I talk to people about their story, I ask them to basically consider four things. And I call it the sort of the one grid. What's the the one reason why you're involved with this organization one story that really has broken your heart over the last month or so what's the one thing you would like the person to do and one secondary or by the way ask in case they don't respond to the first one so it's really simple you know why did you get involved with the organization why are you so passionate what impact are you making today and how they can be involved 
And so if I go out to a donor and talk to them, I'll say, uh, as I'm talking to today with United Way, um, I'll talk to them about the basic needs and the things that are going on in our community. So currently, one of the things that we're looking at is homeless children in our community uh, at school. So school kids that are have spent at least one night out on the streets or without a home uh, at least one time a year, and that's how we consider them homeless. And there's approximately 160 to 200 people that are uh, currently our kids that are currently homeless in our community. And so that's one of the things that I'll tell them that we're really trying to solve that issue. And we do that through our live, work, learn programs, and we're going to be expanding some different things. But all I have to say is that there's, there should be no reason why somebody, a school-aged kid, should be homeless in our community. And we're trying to solve that problem. So some, I went to the seminar recently, and they talk about um, that you should start your story out with a crash. What is wrong with the world? What's, what's that big thing that you're trying to do and the pain of it? And in this case, it's, you know, we shouldn't have a student with their parents or brother or sister not knowing where they're going to stay this night and that impacts their education impacts their ability to uh, have a safe free uh, childhood trauma-free childhood so that encourage them to be able to eventually be able to get uh, a good stable job better job those sorts of things so start with that scratch so when i'm out and talking to people and i tell them why i'm so engage with the United Way is because we have a community of neighbors that are trying to help neighbors. That's why I'm so passionate about the United Way is that we're able to put resources to problems that should not exist in our community. And that's my one passion, the one reason. And then I can talk about a particular story. So uh, interesting enough about one of our team members was working with some social workers from our school system and we had extra items that had been donated to United Way through our Unday Sunday program where we had some actual underwear and things like that. And they found out that we had some extra stuff and they were just clamoring to get to it to figure out how they can use it for their students and asking us if we had other items. And we didn't at the time and it, it showed us that there was a really great need for students in our community and trying to figure out how we can help them. And so if I was to talk to a donor, I'd tell them, you know, we shouldn't have a student in our community that's homeless and we talk about that. And then we talk about this particular story of these social workers, these neighbors trying to help other neighbors and that United Way is trying to facilitate that. Now at this point, this is not everything that United Way does. In fact, it's just a small portion of what we'd like to do, but it's a way for me to engage. And as they ask more questions of why do you do it, I've got a framework to work with. We do, we have a three focuses. We, we help people live, uh, improve their lives. We help people work. Uh, improve um, their financial stability and then we help their uh, help them learn or improve their futures and so live work and learn and so as we talk about our framework everything that we do is strategically uh, factored out in those three statements if we have a program that we'd like to develop or a need that we'd like to develop does it fit into those three big buckets if it does then we can put some resources in that and then it's easy for us to talk about and i run into a lot of organizations that are doing a lot of amazing work but they don't really have a framework they they, they are trying to do a lot of good for a lot of people but they've not taken the time to put a framework of why they're actually doing this into one maybe one big bull statement and three buckets so that people can engage with them. Instead, it's, well, we help do X program, we do this program, and that's for this person, it's for that person, but there's no rhyme or reason, or does it feel that way? But in their heart of hearts, they're trying to help people, and 
they've come up with solutions for problems, but they don't have a framework of why they're helping or how they can explain to people how they can be involved. And so it just gets to be confusing. It can really impact uh, detrimentally the good that they can do in the community because they don't have a framework on how they talk about the community. So what I encourage people to do is have a big, bold statement, almost that sort of tagline that we're here to help or we're here to facilitate neighbors helping neighbors. We're trying to help give people an opportunity to thrive. That's our United Way, what we're doing currently. And you might have one or two different key messages that are big, bold statements they use in different uh, situations. That's fine, but you should have some very compelling statements that you're using. And then from there, you should have uh, three, uh, sometimes four, but really no more than four. And three is better, two is too few. The three main buckets of how you do different things. And so originally with this homeless shelter, they uh, provide, uh, they rescue, they rebuild, and then they restore. So those are three separate things, progression. So you can do like a progression, like phase one, and then phase two, phase three, or you could talk about the three types of audience that you work. So I work with another homeless organization and they prevent homelessness. Uh, so they're trying to work with people that are, on, are near homeless that possibly one, one uh, rent payment away from or a utility bill away from losing their apartment. And so they work with people to kind of maintain or prevent homeless or prevent them getting into it. And then, so that's one program that they have. And then they have another program, which is uh, rapid rehousing, which is to get them people that have fallen into uh, homelessness and get them right back in. So it's almost this rebounding. So we want to prevent rapid rehouse and so on. So you want to find what are the, it could be three different phases, three different types, but figure out a logical reason why you'd have these three buckets that talk about a framework of how you do your organization or your work. And if you can do that, it makes it really easy for you to explain. It it's very memorable and allows other people to be involved uh, with what you're doing. So as you are coming up with these buckets, we encourage you to rehearse them as you maybe meet with a group uh, for a couple hours, you're putting things on the whiteboard and you're just going to figure out a way um, to get into a big, bold statement, the three different buckets. And then as you're doing that, you think about the different calls to action that you might have based on that. So if you're rescuing people from homelessness, you might talk about the need for food or clothing or shelter and what that is. And if it's uh, you're trying to help them to rebound or you're helping them to, to be restored, you might be thinking about, we need volunteers to help with life skills classes or other kind of classes. And so you might need dollars uh, for them to help get clothes for an interview or a resume class or these different things. And so you kind of can tailor your volunteer opportunities, your donor dollars and how you ask for money based on the framework again. And so when people are asking you how they can be involved, you say, boy, you could really help us to rescue people uh, from the streets or out of homelessness. And then here's how you can do that. And so you are constantly telling them the story or your framework as you're giving them a call to action and reinforces that they're doing good and working with you is doing something very big. And because of that, it'll be memorable for them and easy for them to then communicate so that they can do the four things, which was we share our passion, share a story that of impact that we're doing, a clear call to action, and then a secondary ask. So those are the four things that you're going to do when you talk to people and it doesn't have to be very complicated but you do want to have a big bold statement you want to have three ba um, 
buckets to have a framework for what you're doing and then some clear call to actions now you might move these around kind of like lego sets and that's okay but you need to be able to rehearse these with key people you will develop these over time but you do want to have compelling clear and urgent messages and stories about why you do what you do and the impact that people can make because they're partnering with you so here's to encouraging you to be clear and concise and compelling in your messages. This is Dave Senna with Bolding.com, and we look forward to hearing your comments. Comment below or uh, different so social sites that we're on, and uh, help us to kind of share this word out to these podcasts. We're hopeful that they're helpful to you as well, and we'll see you the next day.